Hi there, this is Harry Caruso and John Michael Tamburo of Car Wash Advisory doing a podcast webinar on whether or not it makes sense to sell in today's market and the factors to consider in doing so. Hi, John Michael. How's it going, Harry? Oh, it's going well. It's going very well. Good. So where are we going to start today? Right. So this is a very big topic of discussion, and there's a lot to cover. And obviously, 2023 is a year in the car wash M&A space has been tremendously tumultuous, to say the least. Definitely. So I think maybe it makes most sense for our listeners if you would kick off by kind of going over what we've seen over the last year. Yeah, it's been wild, and I don't think it's, it's certainly not industry-specific, right? I think everyone knows M&A as a whole is down this year for for multitude of reasons, but I think what we've seen specifically is, you know, a lot of these guys that came in hot and heavy and have been going at it for the last two years with throwing money at problems and trying to get to this, you know, big audacious goal of as many sites as possible, as fast as possible, have realized that that's not the right way to grow a business, right? It's focus on, you know, quantity over quality doesn't usually get you to where you need to be, right? So I think a lot of these guys really set the tone at the beginning of the year and they've taken a step back and said, well, hey, let's let's take a look at what we got. And, you know, we can't keep going down this runway before making sure that we have our ducks in a row here. And I think that's really set the tone early on because, you know, it's not like we started the year off with some mega acquisition that really set the tone. It's just been, you know, it, it chugged along. I think the first that I can recall of, of any, you know, scalable size was, was Magnolia. Right. Right. And aside from them, I mean, nobody's really came in and, and dropped the hammer this year and said, you know, this is our path forward. This is what we're doing. And I think we're at a point that it's almost like, you know, everyone's thrown it into neutral and is kind of looking, you know, looking left, looking right, saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, and nobody's really pulled ahead, right? Or, or given at least an indication of where they're going. So I think that's made it tough because you know, in, in every industry, you're always looking to the leaders, right, to, to show us where we're going and the path forward. And I don't think anyone's done that, right? Mm. No. And you bring up a good point, which is interest rates. So I think it's worth noting and talking about interest rates may have been the impetus or the cause yep. of sort of this temporal pause and look around, which so many people are doing. But is it really preventing institutional investor profitability in this industry? No. Right? Yeah. A 500 basis point hike in interest rates, albeit that of a system shock for many, yeah. it's not going to prohibit profitability from a institution's standpoint. No. Not with the margins this industry provides. No, I think it's an easy cop-out, right? It, it is. And I think that sort of uh, inherent reticence to invest when others aren't has been seen in a way of groupthink that time yeah. has shown us time and time again that it happens in this world, right? So I, I do agree. And I think that mega transactions are happening more so by necessity as you Certainly. mentioned, than they are opportunistically. And that is sort of the theme that we've seen throughout. Yeah, for sure. Right. And, and even taking it, you know, taking a step away because it's, you know, I'm sure it's a lot. I like to categorize these, right? Because what the big guys are doing is much different than what, you know, Joe with one site or Tim with three sites is doing. Right. And it's sort of, you know, in the context of, of everybody's world, you know, how does this implicate them, right? What does it mean for them and for their market? And I think it's really interesting because it's easy to sit here and say, oh, it's the same, but it's not the same, no. right? And and I think, you know, interest rates probably have a much bigger impact on the little guys as opposed to these big guys, right? So the fact that they're using it as almost a cop-out, I think that's really what's adding to the scare, right? Is because we'd expect it, you know, from the smaller size players, but to have everyone just throw their hands up there and say, oof, that's expensive, right? I mean, we knew it was coming, right? Yeah. So, and yeah. John Michael, just to contextualize this for listeners, right? What's really important just to know in terms of the macro 
sort of industry, uh, volume is down, right? Yeah. M&A volume is extremely down in 2023, both on a per transaction site count basis, on a large transaction basis, and a simple transaction basis. So less deals are being done, point blank and period. And a lot of it is due to this proverbial shift into neutral, as you mentioned. Yep. Uh, and it comes at the cost of both great operations that do want to sell, and we're thinking of selling, as well as those who maybe got in on a on a bit more of a speculative basis to start. For sure, for sure, and that and that's why I think it's important. I always, you know, kind of like to ground things a bit because most likely I think the the people that are really impacted, like I said, is the smaller guys, right? So if I am Joe with one site you know, and, and I'm coming at it, how has what's happened this year affected me, right? How, what's the biggest thing that I'm fighting against here? Because it, it certainly is, it's not a tailwind anymore, right? It, it's a headwind and we're going into it and it's, how do we set ourselves up to move forward? Or is there even a reason to move forward at this point, right? And I think it's very circumstantial and it's important to understand. So I don't know, maybe we can start start with the little guys, right? Single, little. single, let's say what, one, one to three sites we could bucket. So I'm an owner, I've got one to three sites. I'm saying, hey, I'm seeing what's going on. There's not a lot of deal activity. You know, I'm in a market, maybe it's crowded, maybe it's not crowded, it's sort of relevant, but I'm at least considering selling or doing a transaction or maybe getting some growth capital, right? Maybe I don't wanna sell, maybe I wanna make a play, right? Because I see the opportunity and I see where things are trending, right? So let's draw a circle to there. What do I do? What do you do? And I think, so, you know, two things I want to make sure that we talk about for everybody's benefit is uh, yeah. current valuation levels in terms of real tangible numbers, right? And I think we can leave that to second. I think the crux of this conversation, which you're alluding to right now, is when should you sell or consider selling? And I know that you know this as well as everybody at Car Wash Advisory is we have one simple rule, and it makes sense to sell when it makes sense for you to sell. And that's the key, right? Yeah. So there are times when offers are too good to not take. Certainly that has happened in many instances over the last three years. Yeah. Now, less so than ever before. But now as we currently stand here, that golden rule of it being an individualized decision for each and every owner yeah. is more so true than ever before. Certainly, certainly. And, and that's why it's important to understand, right? If, you know, I don't want people to have the illusion sitting at home that they're, you know, oh, there's this big opportunity, right? They're happening. They certainly happen. I mean, gosh, we see stuff week over week, you know, kind of come out of nowhere, right? But it's certainly not like it used to be, right? So there there are, to your point, there are circumstances where I think it, it makes a lot of sense to say, hey, this happened. What do you guys think? Is this an opportunity? And I think there, there are times where it makes sense. But I think the large majority is what people have to understand is, you know, there's not three, four or five people lining up to to overpay, so to speak, anymore, right? That That opportunity is what's really shriveled up. And again, if it's going to happen, I think it's going to happen. But if you're under the illusion that there's three people lining up, there's more like one or two, right? And I think that's the difference. And again, it doesn't, not to say it's not going to happen, but, you know, I just, there's a lot of talk as we know in the space and, you know, everybody likes to, you know, give everyone the idea, you know, multiples always get padded up one, two, three, four. And, you know, I guess we have the privilege of seeing the numbers, seeing the data. And that's something that, you know, at least for me, if I'm making a decision, I want to know what's real. Yeah. Right? I don't want to be, I don't want to know what Joe told me because I mean, you know, why is, what is, you know, what's in, what's in the game for him to tell me what he actually sold it for, right? Everybody, everybody wants to make it seem like they got this big transaction. And the reality is, and we've seen it firsthand is that, you know, the multiples that are talked versus transacted, <laughs> I mean, gosh, if I had a dollar every time someone told me they got double digit multiples versus, you know, people that actually got 
real multiples. Like it, it's, it's just the reality. But let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> so let's just let's just hone in on that. So I think you know, as a owner in this industry, right? Everybody likes to be sort of in the flow, right? Yeah. And the grapevine, the game of proverbial telephone being paid by owner operators and intermediaries such as ourselves can be a very dangerous game if played by ill-equipped parties and when the innate game of telephone causes compounding errors in these sort of yep. narratives. So, I mean, John Michael's alluding to this and we see this constantly. There are instances where we, uh, two weeks ago, we had a individual who was absolutely an owner-operator, super guy, just like most people in this industry, guys and gals, uh, has experience in the space and he was 100% convinced that a site of car washes or a package of sites sold for $250 million. Yep. Uh, that package not only didn't sell for 250, but sold for nearly 75. Yeah. Um, but yet, once again, he was 100% convinced of this. And, and it's not his fault. No, it's just, it, that's, I guess that's the, that's the fun of private markets, right? Is that, you know, it, it's up to those who study and manipulate and share them, right? And it's not to say that he was intentionally misled, no. but it's just, you know how it is, you know, you add an extra one here, you know, an extra multiple here. I mean, it can get carried away pretty fast. And, and I think it's just a case of broken telephone, right? And, that, and that's where, at least for us, you know, I think an overwhelming number of people that are in these one to three site categories, they come to us and they're under the illusion that they can play and trade with what these, you know, 50 plus site guys are doing. Right? Or what they say they're doing. Oh, or what they say they're doing. And I think, you know, on yeah. that note, right, one of the biggest... <laughs> sort of red herrings that one can look for in terms of a, a red flag of, hey, maybe these numbers aren't exactly what they may seem, or maybe they've been misconstrued as pipeline sites. Yeah. So nine out of 10 times, right, when we're seeing M&A transactions and activity that include a significant portion of either pre-built or soon to open yep. pipeline development sites, there is no consensus nor consistency as to people as to how people yeah. industry-wide are referring to purchase price multiples, no matter the cash flow metric yeah. in relation to these. There just yeah. isn't, right? So Well, that's and that's really where you throw your hands up in the air. And I think I think that's also a large a large reason why there's this large discrepancy of what actually transacts for what's being set, because I don't think people are fundamentally wrong. I think it's just a matter of misattribution, right? And I think you could look at it, you know, depending how you look at it, you could slice the pie a ton of different ways, right? And I think that's where again, for someone that's not used to dealing with all the complexity and, you know, the nature of those type of transactions, I think it's very easy to look at numbers at face value and say, oh, wow, well, if they got this, I can get this. And it's, there's always more to it. Right? Always. And, and and for our listeners, hopefully they'll let us know if they want more. I know that this is a, uh, a video and an audio type of format, but uh, let's at least walk through just a generalized example to put some tangibility around this. And yeah. listeners, you know, let us know if you want something in writing and visible and more visual by nature. But uh, just to demonstrate this point and just how dangerous this game is when it's played as it normally goes, if you have uh, a car wash owner with 10 sites and 10 new developments being built and they get bought for $200 million, are they being bought for 10 or $20 million a site? Yeah. Or, right? Or, or what? Or what? Right? <laughs> and then if they're 10 or cash flowing, right? And the 10 in the pipeline, needless to say, aren't, well, but certainly there's some level of value attribution, whether it be, and we'll do another sort of uh, media 
uh, yeah. outlet for this in terms of the cost plus approach, but certainly needless to say, there has to be some value attribution to those pre-cash flow insights, John Michael. Well, definitely. And it's also, as you know, I mean, it's it's easy to talk about cash flow multiples, but I mean, just think about it, you know, even if you dissect it to, to, to bare roots, right? It's, you know, how, how do you get to these valuations while well, they're taking their EBITDA, right? Which is earnings before interest, tax, and depreciation amortization. And they're saying, let's multiply that by a, some, some industry standard multiple, right? So even if you take 10 for simple math, you know, if a site's cash flowing one and a half million bucks at 10 times, I mean, that's $15 million for one car wash, right? So who's to say one of those car washes doesn't fit that bucket, but what happened to the sites that are cash flowing half a million dollars, right? Maybe they just opened. Maybe they haven't had proper attention over the first two years, right? Well, if, if those car washes, even in isolation, are being purchased for, you know, 20 times for the same price because it's all blended into the package, are they getting 20 times for a site or, you know, what are they really getting? And that's where I think people, people look at the numbers on face value and they can get very led astray, right? Because I mean, we've seen sites transact for, you know, single sites transact for over 20 times. Why? Not because of the cash flow, no. right? But because of, you know, there is, again, fundamental value there, right? You've got real estate, you've got assets, you've got equipment, right? You've got all this improvement value. You've got maybe some type of infrastructure, right? That's in there. And again, it depends what you're buying, right? It's not always just about the numbers and a multiple. It's a very naive way to look at it, but it's also the easiest way for people of different education levels and experience levels to be able to communicate together, right? Yeah. And in many ways, right? The, the, the entire exercise of financial multiple normalcy, right? And any sort of normalization in this industry or any industry when we're looking at transactions and deals, the whole goal, right, is to get the apples to apples comparison. Yeah. And that becomes tremendously difficult when the numerator is a moving number and exactly. the denominator. And then there's miscommunication in between that. For sure. So let's talk a bit about hard numbers and multiples. And mm. and you alluded before to the, you know, one to three site, let's say express exterior owner out there who was hearing in the rumor mill 12 times, 15 times yeah. cash flow on an enterprise value basis. What, what do you say to them today, John Michael? I, if, if they've seen an offer, I'd like to see the offer. If they think they can get it, again, I, I might be missing something. But it, again, it's tough. And I don't, I don't want to sit here and have a pessimistic view and say that never happens because, I mean, I've seen it happen. I've been part of that. But I, I think the reality is, is that, you know, could you make a case our car wash is worth double digit multiples? Is any business worth double digit multiples? I don't I don't know, right? I, I think there's there's a you know, again, not to go down a rabbit hole, but I think you have to sit there and just look at it at, at very, very simple roots. And, you know, if if I was selling this to another individual, you know, even if you strip away all the premiums and this or that, it's you know, if if Joe's trying to sell his single site car wash and he's trying to sell it to, you know, maybe me, maybe I'm an individual that said, you know what, I'm fed up with my nine to five. I've got a bit of money and I want to do something different. Right. I love the space. I've been reading a lot of news. It sounds really interesting. Let's do it. That's great. Right. And, and that's a very good buyer. Right. But the reality is, is can that buyer get to those type of multiples 12, 15 times? And one might say, well, well, yeah, if he really wants the site, I mean, he can pay me whatever he wants to pay me. But again, drawing full circle here, going back to interest rates, I mean, debt is the biggest and a very real constraint. So could someone pay 15 times? Yeah, maybe if they have 10 to $12 million 
cash sitting in their bank how, account. How often does that happen, John? Oh, and that's and that's the thing is right. That, that's like the less than one percent probability, right? So is it fair to sit here and tell people to stake their livelihood and the and you know their retirement and you know inheritance to their kids on a one percent? No, I would I would never advise against that, right? No. So it's again, can it happen? Absolutely, but I think it's more important to really understand the buyer profile and figure out you know who can come to the table and pay me that number, right? Yeah. But I I think if we're Again, if we're taking it, taking a stance of if you were to sell now and you go to market, is that what I can get? Well, I would say no, because the vast majority of the buyers cannot get there. No, and that's right? circumstantial to a lot of exogenous factors that right. are all at play here against them. So so for these one to three side operators, before we get on to the bigger guys, John Michael, when does it make sense to sell? And mm -hmm. is it possible that it is today? I think it is. I, I think, as you mentioned, it's, it's very circumstantial, right? Is it, you know, I, I think the best place to be in is is out of a want to sell, not out of a need to sell, right? If people come to me and, and they say, I really need to sell, is today the right time to sell? Well, yeah, you need to, right? I don't think there's much decision there, but assuming you have a decision, you know, I, I think my stance is always get a line in the sand because at least you know where you stand, right? I can't tell you where markets are going. I can't tell you how fast they're going to continue either to decline or to increase or turn around. I don't know. I wish I had a crystal ball and I could sit here and, and say this is where it's going, but I would feel much more comfortable saying, hey, this is where you are, right? If, if this is where you are and this is your goals, can we get there, right? And I think if the answer is yes, we can get there, I think obviously to me that's the ultimate decision point is, 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 is it time to sell, right? Yeah, I think it's a life decision. Definitely. One to three side owners, your life takes priority over everything else. If you have kids in college, if you have parents with medical issues, if you have some sort of exogenous circumstance that is zapping up physical and mental energy to the point where you no longer feel yeah. like you're improving your wash on a, or washes on a daily basis, yeah. yes, it's worth considering selling. And that for sure, considering is the first and the by far the most important part. And we recommend to everybody that we speak to. Uh, we're actually, funny enough, launching a service about this next week in terms of uh, making sure that we provide all the information and all the help possible for owners considering to sell, maybe not now, but in a yeah. couple of years, to set them up to sell. Right? Sure. So it's never too early to look at it, but you have to come in with unbiased sort of frame of mind and figure yeah. out what true value is. And life circumstances where no matter what in high or low markets, always, 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 uh, trump any sort of multiple sort of ups and downs that we De see. Definitely. Def and that's why I think coming into the process with the understanding of why it makes sense to sell, I think that's going to leave you better off, right? If you come into this under the illusion that, yeah, I'm going to sell if I can get this multiple, right? Whether it's a five times or a 15 times, I, I don't think that's the reason, right? And I don't think I'd feel comfortable advising someone to sell because I don't think they've thought it through at that point. Right? No. And one thing we do, John Michael, and you know this, so when when owners come to us thinking of selling, we we very vehemently ask that they do not yeah. share any sort of value expectations. And yeah. I would advise whether you're working with us or whether you're thinking of working with somebody else or working with somebody else. Yeah. I think that is an absolutely crucial step of the process is to come in with an unbiased, clean slate. And please, yeah. we don't want to be influenced in the way of knowing what you think you need, want, For sure. and get. We are here, any good advisor worth their weight is here to provide true, unbiased facts, yep. opinion, and advice. And you can't do that when you come in with a loaded deck. No, no. If you came, if if you came to me and said I need five million dollars, that's all I'm going to fixate on. And as as you know, as good as I am at at trying to be unbiased and going through everything, how how do you get around that, right? That's so, I, and I think that's why again, 
it's important to come into it, I think, with the right right motivation, the right background, the right context, and I think obviously providing any sort of uh, information that's material to to do an appropriate valuation. Um, you know, I think having a phone call and being told evaluation, you know, in a five minute conversation, I think that's ill advised. I think it it needs to be done methodical uh, appropriately, and I think that yeah, the one card that I would advise anyone to keep close to their chest is what they need for this to work, right? Because I think that's the only way you can make an unbiased decision and know that you're actually getting the right advice because, you know, quite frankly, I would rather come into it and, and tell a client his wash is worth $2 million less than what he wants for it, but I'd rather have it up front and I'd rather him know that, hey, I'm telling you this because it's true, not because I, I want your business, right? And, you know, I can sleep a lot better at night knowing that even if someone decides to go elsewhere or try to sell it themselves. We've done the work, right? We know the probability of it selling for that price. And I think, again, if, if you want to bet those 1%, by all means, right? Like we've, we've seen it done. And I think it's just, again, making making appropriate decisions and making sure that you're providing people with the right information to be able to come to that decision. Yeah, I touched on this, right? Which is very important. The life circumstances aspect, right? Your business yeah. aspiration, your fam familial goals, everything that goes on in your life, in real life, if you will, right? And I think it's very easy for us to sit here and say, oh, well, you may have a singular circumstance that yeah. makes it so it's worth selling today or you need to sell today. Right. But we all know this as human beings, it's never black and white. No. Right. So, so very often we have ourselves being pulled in so many directions that it's near impossible to be able to say, this is the one thing that's going to make it so I have to sell today. Or yeah. it, It's a gradient, right? And so much is put on everybody every day. Right. So in those circumstances, I think what's best said is that you should at least and you cannot have the true self conversation of whether or not you should consider selling until you know what that variable of what is it worth and what can you get yeah. is being had. Definitely. And I think one thing that we are afforded in today's market, although one would say it's more tumultuous and a bit more volatile or even I suppose you could say stagnant in some regards if you want to look at it from a local minimum perspective rather than more of a macro. Uh, is, well, is the value going to go up over time? And I think we're afforded with this luxury today as we currently stand in the interest rate market that we're in, in the car wash market we're in by way of industry consolidation, yep. where we can say multiples are going one direction and they're going one direction for most surely the next three years and yep. most likely at least the next five. Yep. And that is not up. Agreed. Agreed. It's not up. And I know, I guess before we, we get into there, I know there's people probably sitting around saying, well, you know, if there's circumstances I should sell, one of them surely has to be with all this crazy competition, right? If mm. if I've got someone building across the street, Harry, if there's competition, does co is competition a good reason to sell? Because I, I'll share my opinion, but I, I'd like to hear yours, I guess. I don't think, I, so to me, competition is the same thing as a sort of variable of uncontrollability that if it will maybe tip the scales, but it'll never be the fundamental reason to to sell. If you love what you're doing, if you love the business and team and the company you've built, I mean, for goodness sakes, right? The better operator will always win out in the end, in the long term. It may not be pleasant in the interim yeah. that I will grant you, but it not, that in and of itself is not reason enough to sell. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think just, just to echo what you said, I mean, how, how many people have we seen come forward and they've said, hey, this big strategic A has built you know, within either across the street, maybe a, at a better lot in the corner. And there's been more often than not, I think I can say comfortably where we've seen initial dips, kind of a slow recovery back to normal. And at some point, volumes are actually higher than they were before. Oh, very right. Often. And it's, it's, I think, 
the initial knee-jerk reaction is, oh no, this is coming, I should sell. Not necessarily, because you know we've seen it before. I mean, when you're managing one site and it's your bread and butter and you live in the community and you know everyone in the community, I think you can do a, a better job than any of these strategics because at the end of the day, I mean, if you told me, hey, you know, John Michael, I need you to go manage one site. And then a week later, you said, now I need you to go manage 10 sites. I mean, it doesn't matter how good I am. Does it translate? Maybe, but it's not apples to apples, right? Just because you can run one site incredibly well does not mean you can run 10, 20, 30, 50, right? So I think it really comes down to making sure, like you said, right? If, if you run a good business and you're a good operator, I think that'll win. And I don't think that's that's a reason to sell. And I know that's a lot of the calls we get is that. And you know, the, the answer we always tell people is, is no, you don't, you know, you know, I, I like, I'd say, tell me why you think you should sell, right? Prove it to me. Right. And a lot of times there is no proof. And, you know, I can't comfortably sit there and say, yeah, you should sell because, you know, competitor A is opening up across the street. It doesn't make sense a lot of the time. So no. again, it's back to the whole circumstance. I think that that's the theme here, right? Is really making sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. Exactly. Absolutely. And in doing that, right, so this is something that John Michael and I do quite frequently, which we found to be tremendously valuable, and we've heard from those who we've done it for to be the same, is you have to have a plan, right? Yeah. So let's say you are thinking about selling today, and let's say that the way current market conditions are, and let's say given your wash's numbers and performance, selling today would put you in a position where you would be required to let's say, go get another job in 20 yep. years, right? So that early retirement, is it really early retirement if you're not, if you're going to go enter the, re-enter the workforce? Yeah. That, that, that the answer to that is no, but the, the plan that you have to have is being able to look at this and say, here are what my operations and washers are worth today. If I do not change anything else, status quo, as they currently sit with continued operations at their current level, yeah. What are they worth in a year, three years, five years, and 10 years? And I, again, I will go back to, I think right now, given market circumstances, interest rates, and where we are in the consolidation cycle of the car wash industry as a whole, we are afforded more clarity on the next one, three, and five years yeah. than ever before in the last decade of this industry. Well, because it's uh, it's not as unpredictable as it was, right? No. Nobody could have predicted the highs would have got as high as they got. And we right? never knew when it was going to stop. No. And, every, and I think a lot of people made probably some very poor decisions, you know, because again, you it's it's always awesome, you know, when you're when you're rising to the top. But you know, if you don't know when the top is, you, you can't prepare for it. And I think now, knowing what we know and knowing where we're we're heading, like you said, in the next three to five years, it's relatively easier because at least we can make them for decisions. Yes, well, absolutely. We've top tech in a pre-revenue company, right? In the venture space, large outside of car washes, right? You don't. It's worth infinite. Absolutely. You don't know what caps those sales. No. But when you do hit that crest, all of a sudden that sort of wonderful question of, well, where yeah. does it peak out? We, we, we know what the global max is now, and it's not going back there. And the reason is, John Michael, you tell me if you feel differently, but the, the bottom line here is interest rates, no matter if they go down tomorrow and how much they go down, it does not matter, along with the number of companies that are at financial point of inflection and stress by way of capital structure yep. combined with the number of new builds yep. and the number of in-development sites yep. results in a macro car wash industry outlook that will not allow for multiples to go back to those crazy levels that we saw in mid-22 yep. in the next five years, period. It is impossible. There is just no way. There's too much supply. The interest rates are burdensome and there's no universe yep. where that can happen. 
Yeah, I, I think the simple way is is obviously that that is the I guess textbook technical definition of of what's going on. But in very I guess layman terms is imagine this: imagine you own a car wash and you're now in a scenario where there's 30 others in the market when there used to be five, right? On top of that, there's a ton of what they call green fields, dirt that could be approved for car washes. They might not be approved for car washes, and of those 30 people that are now in the market, you know. 10 to 15 of them are multinational across the country that are levered to high heaven to the point where, I mean, that's what they're doing. They're figuring out what's next, right? So, you know, all else equal, you know, I, I have, we have a, an, a client of ours and, and I think he'd probably put it best. And, you know, when you have a car wash, even if it goes bankrupt, it's still a car wash. Right. So what what happens to these, you know, again, drawing drawing full circle back to the example, you know, if we used to have five sites in this market and we're now at 30, even if those five win and, and you're the better operator and you say, yeah, we did it. We you know, we beat these guys. Well, guess what? There's still 25 other car washes in the market that again, I mean, we talk about this all the time. You and I, well, what do you do with them? What right. What it, it's a car wash. So whether or not it's good, whether or not it's bad, it's a bad look for the industry as a whole, really. Right. Yeah. And, and the jury's out on exactly what's going to happen to those overbuilt sites. And it's, it's on a micro yeah. basis, which we talk about a lot. And we're going to do an entire uh, episode on this, which is the overbuilding, what is true saturation, how to properly measure. It. I mean, without getting into it, there's a lot to delve into there. Yeah. But bringing it back to selling today and given the macro environment that we're faced with, I think more so than ever, John Michael, it's, it, you have to consider selling when you think it may make sense and you have to make that decision based upon whether or not it does make sense for you. Yeah. And it's an individualized decision. This isn't a trade. This is your life. This is everything you've built. This is your team. This is your people. This is your culture. This is everything. Yeah. And that decision is not whether or not I can, you know, uh, trade an extra 50 basis points here. Like this yeah. is, these are huge decisions that have to be considered and it's never too early to consider them. Yeah. The answer very well may be, no, and don't plan to sell for another 10 years yeah. without having an honest and earnest conversation and looking through everything. It's impossible to tell. Yeah. And you're, you don't need to have that anxiety build up over time. Yeah. And as you know, I mean, getting an extra million dollars that you need to pay cap gains on I don't today. I that looks like. Well, that's I, but, <laughs> but that's the thing is to get, to get that money, you know, to say you, you got a 12 times multiple and to be able to tell all your friends that you sold your wash for more than them to have to go get a job at 65 because, you know, it, it wasn't the right decision for you. I mean, that sucks, right? And that's a lesson that a lot of people are going to learn when it's too late. So in summary, John Michael, I think where we're at is, uh, you know, one, it's an individualized decision and that's your golden rule. Always. And two, it's never too early to start considering it. And as uh, I mentioned earlier during this, and I think we should do a better job in terms of communicating with our entire audience base as well as the industry as a whole is there are a lot of things that if you come to us to sell and you need to sell today, well, goodness me, I wish we had a conversation two years ago so yep. that you could put into place all the variables that would make it so that your sale is going to be for that much higher of a price yep. and that much more liquidity in terms of having multiple offers and conclusiveness by way of transaction right for sure well and i think too that that gives a good example you know a lot of people at least for us you know we reach out to people we have people reach out to us and and we always you know when we have these conversations i mean a vast majority as you know there's a there's a fixed percentage that sell every year but there's also a much larger percentage that it's not the right time for them right and does it 
Does it mean you shouldn't be having these conversations? Does it mean that it's detrimental for you to hop on the phone with, with anyone, you know, whether it's us or someone else and say, hey, what do you think, right? I, I think I would encourage everyone, number one, talk to everyone as, po- as, as much as possible, right? You want to get as much information from as many sources because then you can figure out, you know, where's the true north, right? So I think, you know, there's that, but also, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I mentioned that line in the sand, right? And to me, getting evaluation is that line in the sand of where we are, but also, you know, it might be really bad, right? That valuation, you know, you might you might get to a point where you say, holy crap, that's half of what I was expecting. And, you know, obviously people get very frustrated and upset and it's it's a very hard conversation sometimes for us to have with people. But I think it's, at least me personally, I would rather have that conversation knowing that, you know, hey, I have time to do something about it then before it's too late, right? And I think that's where making sure that either, you know, get a valuation early and if the valuation doesn't go where you want or it doesn't, you know, it doesn't give you warm and fuzzy feelings that you're on the right track, I think step two to that is, well, what do I do about it, right? And I think that's where, I know you mentioned earlier for us, you know, and maybe you can dive a little bit into it, but I think having the steps and having the plan early on is important, right? And I think that's, you know, we're at the point now where we do this for so many people. And I mean, we've been asked this so many times of, well, what do I do? Or, you know, what can I do to get more money? And I think that that to me is the second step. It's getting evaluation is great. But, you know, for me to sit there and, and tell you all the things that's wrong with your site and the things that are good with the site, it doesn't really help you, right? So what what do these people need to be, what would be helpful, right? If, if you were in that situation, what would make it more helpful for you at that point? Well, an action plan, right? And it's not dissimilar to personal medical health, right? So there are some people who avoid the doctor like the plague, Yep. right? I'm, I'm not going to get my annual physical. I'm I won't touch that. I don't want to know how messed up I am. I don't yep. want to know how many things are broken. Leave me alone. I'm riding this way. You're fine. Obviously. And if even for those out there that are that way, and I definitely am not one myself, uh, uh, <laughs> Won't touch for it. those, think about it in terms of your loved ones. Obviously, you want them to have regular and routine checkups. So uh, what you you know alluded to, Jam, which was that of, okay, great, the valuation isn't where we want it, it would be akin to that of getting a diagnosis with no prognosis from yeah. a doctor. So congratulations, yeah. so you have colon cancer, yeah. and we don't know yeah. what to do. We'll see you in a couple of years, <laughs> right? Like, go to walk, see you later. Uh, I, I think what that key is, yes, it, it is a terrible terrible sort of conversation to have and a learning of, hey, I have a potentially terminal disease or illness. But in knowing so, the prognosis to come thereof can solve the problem. But you certainly can't do that without the diagnosis. So it's that prognosis of knowing what that action plan is to get to evaluation that does work uh, that is ultimately beneficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And it's things as simple as, you know, again, breaking it down to, to its very simplest roots, right? If we want to use these trading industry trading multiples, right? Well, how do I get a higher price? Well, if, if multiples are going down, you know, it's an equation, right? So if, if, if one number is going down, well, what do we have to do with the other number to offset that, right? Or minimize it, right? And it's very simple. At least it sounds simple is, is you have to raise it, right? And the number that you have control of is your financials, right? And a lot of people get into this and you know, you, you run your business and you do things, but you know, again, the, the beauty is, is that we have such a privilege to work with such great operators in, in every state across the country that I can tell you this, if, if I've seen something, you know, that I've, I've never seen before, it, it probably happens on a, on a daily basis. And then this is literally all we do every day. Right. Yeah. So, you know, to, to think that, well, you know, my, my business is running well, 
you know, it's sort of the same thing as, well, hey, I got a good offer, right? Well, well how do you know if it's right? You, you got a good offer if you don't have a benchmark. Yeah. Information is power. Knowledge is power. Knowledge yeah. is not power without a referential point of sanity. Exactly. A checkpoint. Exactly. Right. And you might think that, hey, my business is running at 50% margins or 40% margins, and that's awesome. But the beauty is, is that, well, why wouldn't you run that against, you know, thousands of other washes exactly the same as you across the country and see where they're light, where they're heavy, and, and maybe look at yours, you know, versus theirs and say, wow, if I got better here, here, and here, I could be, you know, closer to this number, right? And it's something that I think a lot of people don't think it's possible. But again, to your point, it's if you don't have that referential point, how do you know you're doing a good job or how do you know you're doing a bad job, right? And, you know, who knows, right? We might see someone come in and say, hey, I think my business needs to be better. And it, it might be the best business we've ever seen. You know, it, it just happens, right? And, and it happens frequently. So I think it's it's important, right? And it's, it's a good good place to learn. It most certainly is. So to summarize all of this, right? The, the, the guys, the, the answer to the perennial question of doesn't make sense to sell, that's an individualized question and answer. Yeah. And it's more so important to be treated as an individualized question and answer now than ever before. Yeah. Uh, we would recommend anybody that has any questions and thoughts or anything of the sorts, we're always here to help. Uh, so once again, this is Harry Caruso of Car Wash Advisory and John Michael Timburo of Car Wash Advisory. And we look forward to doing more of these and let us know what you guys think, what you want to hear, and anything else you want to learn about. Say the summary one more time. The whole summary? Uh, yeah. No, it was fine. No, I just wanted to look at the camera. Now you you're saying, like, like if you introduced yourself as John Michael and Harry, that part makes sense to look at the camera. Okay. So, so John Michael, in summary for all the listeners out there, whether or not to sell your car washes is a true individualized question and answer. And now more so than ever before, this reigns true. So we would highly recommend anybody considering selling, thinking about selling, uh, make sure to understand that this is not just a broad stroke question and answer. It's individualized to you and you owe it to yourself to at least explore the peculiarities, unusualities, and the intricacies that apply to you in answering such. So. I know that we're going to do a lot more of these, which we're really excited about. If anybody has any thoughts, questions, comments, topics they'd like covered, anything of the sorts, please do let us know, and we will be sure to prioritize doing so and look forward to doing more of these. Absolutely.